Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. Hello, dear friends, and welcome to another episode of Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. And as always, you have your faithful hosts with you, Jovina Graham. Hello there. And myself, Jeremy Ambrose. Now, continuing from last episode when we talked about Catholic universities, Bishop Julian, I want to ask you about, I guess, the Catholic tradition, the intellectual tradition, if you want to call it that, uh, where we have so many great thinkers such as you know, Aquinas and Augustine and, you know, the list goes on. Uh, and I guess Catholics have this tradition of thinking or this tradition of their approach to the world, how they, you know, how they use their minds and faculties, what they've been given to, you know, to approach studies or whatever. So I want to ask you, what do you think, um, what, can, what contribution can the Catholic tradition make to a Catholic university? I think the issue of the Catholic, which what what you can call the Catholic intellectual tradition, is is a very worthwhile one to to consider. Again, when we look at our, our Western civilization, our Western culture, we're aware that it has been largely shaped and influenced by Christianity. So, not only has the the, the Christian faith been a source of uh, inspiration to people's personal faith and people's view of life and so forth. But also on the basis of, of men and women of faith then have looked at the universe and been involved in all sorts of activities whereby the faith has actually been like a foundation to the way they see reality. Now we could, in, we could also include in this ar architects and artists, musicians, poets, scientists, mm. You know, we can look at a whole range of disciplines um, that would be involved with uh, a university study that has been shaped, not insignificantly, um, from, um, from a Catholic faith. The people who, who have this faith have, have applied it to astronomers looking at the, uh, the, the, uh, the skies, have had a sense that God has created the heavens and, and the earth. And... And one of the key things, of course, is that um, the person of faith understands that God is, if you like, the great designer who has had a, um, a design that is, that is balanced. It's, uh, the universe is not chaotic. The universe hasn't just happened by chance, and so it's indeterminate as to where it's going, what it's all about. There is this sense of, um, when we look at um, the universe, there is this order, this balance to things, that's very evident to the scientist as well as to the poet. And when we have a faith, of course, we could say this is all the work of God. And actually a person of faith exploring different aspects of the universe, different aspects of human life, can often just be left in, in awe at uh, the way things work. I'm, I'm sure... Uh, Javina, you're, you're a doctor, you've studied the human body, studied all the extraordinary aspects of human life, just the mechanics of a human body operating. You can't help but be amazed at 
how the whole thing works and what the body is capable of doing, um, which just defies our, our capacity to understand how extraordinary complex and yet ex extraordinary uh, wonderful all the dimensions of the human body are. And so we can say that with all aspects of, um, of knowledge and, and human knowledge, human understanding. And so we have to say that there is a Catholic intellectual tradition in the sense that, that men and women of faith have explored the universe, the microcosm as well as the macrocosm, have explored aspects of human life, have explored the arts as, as well as the sciences. And from that has grown a whole body of knowledge and, and understanding of things. So a Catholic intellectual tradition, I believe, has a great deal to offer uh, and to enable people to, to have a deeper grasp and understanding of the reality of human life, particularly today when you have many people who have lost a sense of faith, lost a, a way of perceiving the universe uh, with the eyes of faith, of being able to um, penetrate aspects of the, the reality around us and, and see and recognise the author of all, all things. So when we talk about intellectual tradition, we're not just talking about basic creedal statements or anything like that. We're really looking at the capacity to, to look at reality in all its uh, diversity and wonder, but also be able to, to sense the hand of God, if you like, in things. All right, Bishop Julian, can, are you able to break this down a little bit more into how we would identify the Catholic tradition? I think there are some. There are not, there are a range of things, of course, but I think there are a couple of things we could probably draw out. I think I think one thing that is um, that is important with regard to the uh, the Catholic intellectual tradition is the way we we perceive the world because God became man. This is important because again, very ancient faiths can often just see the world, feel the world in chaos and, and actually feel that there are powers at work that are malevolent, that will destroy them. And so we see people offering sacrifices to gods because they're trying to placate the gods and protect against, um, against things. So in other words, they see the world and they feel, have a fear about the world, have a fear that the world is out to get them, out to destroy them. Mm. Um, whereas, whereas we say God has embraced the world. And so we have an attitude towards the world where we embrace the world around us. Yes, the world at times, um, terrible things can happen, you know, earthquakes and famines and fires and so on. But um, from a Catholic perspective, we embrace the world because of the incarnation. Now, at the same time, there can be some Christian traditions that would tend to say, we want to divorce ourselves from the world. We, we, we want to... Um, that the world is, 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 is basically corrupting us and taking us away from God. Now, that's never been a Catholic attitude. The Catholic attitude has always been to say, no, we will live within the world, we will accept the world. And that's why I think the Catholics have always had a curiosity and, 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 and the Catholic Church has never stood in the way of scientific research and, and encouraged scientific research. Um, the whole principle of... Um, of the development of the, the, the disciplines of science have been something the church has um, 
has readily accepted, all built around the idea of the incarnation. That, that, and the book of Genesis saying what God has created is good. <clears throat> Another element that I think is, um, is very important and probably very important today, and that is, as Catholics, we have a very particular understanding about the nature of the human person. Again, we'll go back to the creation stories in the book of Genesis, where we say that God has created human beings in his own image and likeness. Now, that's a very powerful and significant statement. It's, it's firstly saying to us that man is not totally separate from, totally different to God. Somehow, when God created us as the high point of his creation, he imbued humanity with aspects of himself. And we would say that it takes many, many expressions, but I think the most important thing is human beings have a capacity to love. And St. John said God is, is love. Now, for instance, you would get somebody like Sigmund Freud, for instance, would try to, to see the human person as just a whole lot of sexual drives and, mm. and, uh, and so on. So other people who haven't taken a faith perspective have come to understand the nature of the human person quite different to the way that we do as, as Catholics. I've mentioned before in, in our previous episode, I think one of the very important issues relating to the Catholic intellectual tradition is that we very much believe that faith and reason are to work together. They're not in opposition to each other. And, and really we'd want to say that <clears throat> there could be a faith that becomes um, closed off for the world, like a fideism, where, whereby we just keep our faith uncontaminated, if you like, from the world around us. Now, the Catholic would not accept that, nor would the Catholic Church fully um, support just reason alone, because then you end up in, in a rationalism that often uh, shuts people off from a full understanding of the truth. So one of the things a Catholic intellectual tradition can do is bring fullness and completeness to the pursuit of, of knowledge and understanding of things because it says now faith and reason can, can, can work together, can contribute um, to the whole pursuit ultimately of truth. So I guess these, these elements of the Catholic intellectual tradition um, have something major to offer to the society then? I think so. And I, I think at this moment, particularly in, uh, in, in our time in history where we've found that, that uh, particularly postmodernism has become very much the, the flavour of, of the day, that, um, that the Catholic inter intellectual tradition offers a distinctive stream of thought, of understanding, and has a very rich and noble tradition, has so much to offer. And I think out of this we can find that, uh, that, that those who dip into the Catholic intellectual tradition I think will be formed very much as rounded and, and, and sound human beings because that tradition offers so much to them and then there in their turn can contribute to the society and, and maybe at a time have to be seen as, um, as, as different from many others because they have a different perspective, a different understanding. But I think in the end, I think they, in leaders in their professions, in their roles, they can make quite decidedly distinct contributions to their profession um, to, to, and generally to the society in which we live. We really need 
Catholics who are well grounded in the Catholic intellectual tradition, who have studied and, and developed knowledge and, and understanding of things, because they can make a real contribution, uh, not only in their profession, but more generally to the society, I think for the betterment of our society. Well, this sounds like a place that I want to be, really. Um, thank you very much for sharing your insights into this, this great contribution that Catholic tradition can and still does and will continue to make to our society. Thank you, Bishop John. Javina, we've come to that point where we uh, have a little did you know uh, session right. with, our, with our q and um, Javina, do you know the name of the, um, what often the young, young uh, students say to me, they call it the stick that the bishop <laughs> carries, <laughs> the stick. Do you know the name of the stick that the bishop carries when he's formally going about his uh, duties as a bishop? Well, I don't think... The official name is Stick, so I'm going to venture that maybe it's Crozier. Crozier, that's right. Crozier is the, uh, the, the the word that's mainly used. Sometimes it's referred to as the uh, as a pastoral staff. Um, do you know also its um, its origins? Uh, are you aware why? I often say when I'm talking to young people as I'm preparing them for confirmation, I always like to ask them, well, why does a bishop carry this stick? They often use this word. Uh, why is he carrying a crozier? What's the meaning of the, the crozier? Well, it looks pretty good to fend off attackers. I thought maybe it was a self-defence mechanism. <laughs> yes. That's a, well, believe it or not, some, uh, some of the, the young boys like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big stick that he carries. But it's, of course, connected, uh, connected with a shepherd's staff. That's its... Uh, its origin, and it, it's something that um, bishops have uh, carried for um, for many centuries. It's not, a, again, like other things. It's not um, just um, found only in Christianity. In fact, ancient um, Egyptian kings used to carry a, a shepherd's crook. It, so it's a fairly universal uh, symbol really of, and I suppose the word I would like to use, pastoral authority. So uh, a shepherd is there to look after the sheep. And of course, we're very aware that that's one of the images that was very much favoured by the Lord himself. And, and John chapter 10, Jesus goes into some detail about describing himself as a good shepherd and just what a good shepherd does. He knows the sheep, he looks, the she looks after the sheep, he takes them to the green pastures and so on. So it's, it's something which uh, has a deep uh, scriptural significance uh, for, for Christianity, um, but it is one of those more universal um, symbols that we find uh, being used. It, it also has the idea of, of a certain idea of authority. The shepherd in, in ancient times would lead the sheep to, uh, to the pastures, to the, to the place where they can find water. The, sh the shepherd would also stay with the sheep and we might remember the Christmas story tells us of the shepherds at night guarding the sheep. So one of the against wolves and other sources that may attack the sheep. So the, the shepherd in ancient times was one who took quite 
personal interest in the well-being of the sheep and protected them. So it is a very strong image and very appropriate image uh, for somebody like a bishop who, who has that role. And for myself as a bishop, it's always a reminder that that is what my task is, is to, to care for people, to uh, protect them, to guide them. Um, and so carrying the crozier has that image of, of a shepherd. If I could raise another little question, though, Ooh. does the Pope have a crozier? So we, it's all, we see bishops having a crozier. When you yeah. think of Pope Francis now, Pope Benedict... He must have a bigger one than everyone else's. Yeah, so. he's a bishop. He should have one. I'm pretty sure I've seen him carry one. It's worth thinking about for a moment. Just <laughs> picture... No. He doesn't, does he? No. The Pope actually has, carries a cross. Ah. You might, might remember the very, very striking one that uh, Pope John Paul used to carry with the, with yeah. the image of the crucified Christ. Um, I've noticed that Pope Francis is where it is carrying the, the same one that uh, Pope Benedict was using, which is uh, just a fairly simple, straight cross. It's interesting because the actual word crozier really is is uh, a word that describes a cross. Uh, and so the actual word, while we've always understood it as being a pastoral staff, the word actually is more associated with the idea of a cross. So it's a, it's a curiosity in the sense that uh, all bishops carry the crozier, which is clearly indicating the role of, of pastoral role of, of being like a shepherd, whereas the Pope will carry a cross, and the word cross is more closely associated in terms of the word with the word crozier. Well, I think we can safely say that we did not know that, Jeremy. Yes, I think we can safely say that, Jeremy. Thank you, Bishop Julian. Thanks for another... It's a pleasure. ...amazing episode of Q&A with Bishop Julian Poitras. You've been listening to Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. For more episodes, visit radio.org.au.